This is part two of my interview with Dr. Johann Oldenkamp on end times prophecies,、uh, translations from the original Greek, and I hope you enjoy the rest of what we went through. Tying this all back to this Antichrist figure you brought up, the technology is going to be used to usher this individual in. I would、uh, assume you're getting at, right? Yeah. Well, I, I'm not sure who's that going to be, and、um, if it is somebody already there, or is it will it be a new one? I remember that when Barack Obama、uh, became the USA president, many people in my environment said he is the Antichrist and blah blah blah. <laughs> But、uh, yeah, I, I thought that was complete nonsense then.、Uh, and yeah, we, it's not over yet. <laughs> he can still continue as the 44th president of the USA if something happens between now and January 20. So that's still an option for me.、Uh, and if, the, if if something big happens, there will be martial law. And then he can continue, and Donald Trump will not be the 45th、uh, president then.、Um, but but that's I, I cannot say anything about that because I don't know. But what I do know is that、um, it's it's a global event. People who are thinking that it is still between countries, they are.、Um, I don't think they they have studied it more、uh, deep enough, so to say. Um, because it's all behind the same agenda. There, it's not that Putin is a bad guy and and Obama is a good guy or or anyway, there are no good and bad guys. There are just puppets who follow orders from、uh, from whatever is is above them, and at the very top of all what which is above them, I think it's only one organization, one group, and、um, yeah, they have they have very.、Um, Big plan for this planet, and for that plan, the Antichrist or the Christ or the Savior, or whatever like to call, plays an important role、uh, because it's in all the,、um, the religious books. Yeah, every every Christian is prepared for the second coming of Christ. Every Muslim is prepared for the,、uh, for, the for the coming back of Mohammed and and all the other religions too. So it's it's all in our collective unconsciousness or our subconsciousness that. We、um, think there will be a savior, and also if you look at all the, the um, uh, channelings from New Age or, or from whatever you like to call them, they also talk about being saved by aliens or whatever.、Mm-hmm. So the, the idea that there is a savior coming for us and that we will be saved is so、um, dominant in our own、uh, subconsciousness that. Yeah, they can easily、um, pull that string, and that's 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 what they're doing. And then everybody will follow that that new leader. Yeah, what they want is to merge all the religions into one, and、um, there will be a new world religion, and it will have ingredients of all the other all the current religions nowadays. And the Pope will be the new head of that that unified religion. That's what they want, and they want a unified currency and unified. Military, unified government, unified government. Yeah, they want the new world order, and that's that's everything is one in that system. Right. And do you think that's why the、uh, Catholic Church has been、uh, acting more liberal, more open-minded per se,、uh, in recent years than they would have been years ago when they were extremely strict about what they、uh, their stated beliefs were. They they are still a little bit strict, but of course they have to be less strict in order to not.、Uh, Um, yeah, somehow make it difficult for people to accept that new authority.、Um, but 
it, there will be tough times ahead of us, and I think there will be a third world war, and there will be a complete destruction of Jerusalem. But after that, there will be built a new temple. They call it the third temple, um, yeah, on the place where the Temple of Solomon allegedly was. I don't think it's all true, but it doesn't really matter. They, their, their agenda is very clear. They want a third temple at the place where now the Rock of the Dome is. It's a Muslim temple. And uh, that all has to be yeah, completely destroyed before they can start building a new one. And, and how that new temple is going to look like is already clear. They made a marquette already. And uh, it's, it's <laughs> the only thing that is, they are waiting for is uh, the real trigger of World War Three. And um, yeah, they were hoping that the trouble in Syria would, would get out of control. But yeah, so far, it's not out of control. So something will happen, I'm, I'm quite certain, uh, around uh, next year, after October, uh, after August somewhere. But um, yeah, it's, 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 it's tough to predict all the details uh, here. It is, but it always seemed like it, it, it uh, wrapped around the Middle East, uh, you know, basically blowing up in some way, shape or form. Exactly, exactly. And that, and that was from the very beginning, because I was able to crack the Daniel Code when I saw how the plan was in, uh, in, uh, towards the creation of Israel. And um, then if you look at the dates, they all end at, at the number seven. There was a Zionist Congress in, uh, uh, in, in, uh, in uh, Switzerland, and it was in the year 19, uh, sorry, 1897. And exactly 20 years later, in the year 1917, there was the Balfour Declaration in which the UK government said it was a very good idea to start a homeland for the Jewish people in Palestine, an official declaration. And it happened uh, around the ending of the First World War. And after the First World War, the UK was somehow in control over that part of the world. So it became all under the, the jurisdiction of the United Kingdom. And 30 years later, in the year 1947, where I already mentioned it, the United Re Nations Resolution 181. Um, and then 20 years later, in the year 1967, we have the capture of Jerusalem. So they're all years ending on the 7th, 1897, 1917, 1947, and 1967. This cannot be a coincidence. And two of those years are also jovial years. So how, how big is that coincidence now? Yeah, so it's very precise. And then, of course, we get 20, 2017. And the amount of years be between 2017, so next year and the year in which this was all made uh, public for the very first time, yeah, the Zionist Congress, where they said we need a Jewish homeland, yeah, was was already during world before World War One. So can you imagine? But the amount of years in between 1897 and 2017 is exactly 120 years. And when we now go back to the book of Noah, then we see that also in those days people got a warning of 120 years in advance. That's you can read the the uh, the text in that way. So there is a 120 years warning. And that's also how they see this. They gave us, by that, that Congress, the first Zionist Congress in, uh, I think it was Zurich, but it can also be Basel, but anyway, somewhere in, in Switzerland, they gave us the warning, the 120 years warning. And if you don't pay attention, just like in the days of Noah, you should not be surprised if something really big is happening 
and your whole old world will be blown away. Now, in the in the translations from Daniel, does it actually state what is going to happen? I, I you've definitely done a phenomenal job with with uh, decoding the mathematics behind it. Does it actually say? Does it tie in with revelations and all that, the things that people are looking for, that, you know, there's this Antichrist figure that's going to emerge, um, there's going to be a, a one-world government established, there's going to be these great wars, and then I know a lot of Christians believe in this whole uh, tribulation, and, you know, they're going to be taken up to heaven and all that rapture situation. What all is really stated in there that you've been able to translate? Yeah, well, that's that's all actually there. It's it's only three verses. So it's Daniel chapter 9, 24 up till 26. And it, it's all there. So they talk about a flood. Yeah, and the troops of the coming prince shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And until the end, there shall be war. These words are literally there. So they talk about a war. They talk about a flood. And they talk about the destruction of the city and the sanctuary. So I think they mean, they mean Jerusalem with this. So Jerusalem will be completely destroyed and there will be a war. So that must be then World War number three. Right. Now, was there an ancient Jerusalem, ancient Israel? Did that actually exist in uh, BC era? Yeah, that's a tough question. Um, because the, actually the name Jerusalem is also a coded word. Uh, there was always a town like that, but it was small. Uh, but that that the town is based on these ancient scriptures and Jerusalem simply means the city of peace. Yeah, but it's it's not an external peace, it's an internal peace. So it's a consciousness state in which you are peaceful. So this sounds like more allegory. It's an it's it's, it's actually an allegory. And the same is true for the words uh, of Israel and the words of Judah. They all mean something else. People take it literal and they try to uh, say that it's about uh, chosen people and so on, but that's not true. Israel literally means the one who strives with El, and El was a name for God in those days. So if you strive alongside with God, then you are Israel. And that's why Jacob had to change his name, because, yeah, I explained that in another video too, where all those names come from. You can see them uh, on my website. I, I started with a series called Holy Scripture TV, and uh, the first five episodes are free to watch for anyone. So simply go to pateo.nl and then click on Holy Scripture Television, Holy Scripture TV, in the menu at the top of the page, and there you can find it. And there you can see that all those ancient stories have a hidden meaning, and this also. So Judah means something, uh, Israel means something, uh, Bethlehem means something, Jerusalem means something, but it's not literal. It's not about uh, beings with a name or cities with a name. It's about states of consciousness most of the time. And that seems to be the, the truth behind nearly everything we're, we've been discussing. The Bible isn't a history book or a text to be taken literally. This is all allegory for your mind and spirit. It's, it's a science book. <laughs> I call it the holy science book because holy science is... For me, the, the merger of, of genuine science and genuine spirituality. And in the old days, uh, spirituality and science were two sides of the same coin. But um, yeah, since the start of the universities, they were cut apart. And uh, that, that was a huge mistake because science without spirituality is dead and, and spiritless. It's, it's soulless. So it has no, 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 no beating heart. It's not alive. 
And if you have spirituality without science, it's, it's pure fantasy most of the time. It's, it's not grounded. So you need both. And then that unity is very powerful. But, but if you cut it apart, then both parts are not helping you at all. It's, it's uh, another example of divide and conquer. Yeah, the, the elites divided these uh, subjects into two. And now nobody understands the truth anymore because you cannot find the truth at the universities and you cannot find the truth in the, in the religions because you need to combine them first. You need to bring them back to reunite them again. And that's what holy science has done. And that's why I think I, I can help anyone to understand the full truth of this. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's not difficult. Uh, it's not easy either. It's, you need to be... Your brain has to be a little bit developed. Yeah, what I see most most people are getting more and more stupid. I hope I don't offend anybody here. <laughs> but 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 the level of, of reasoning and thinking, if you look at the television, the level of television nowadays, and you compare it with, with 20, 30 years ago, um, I can clearly see a really big downfall of, of, of the level. In, in the old days, there were... Yeah, programs that were stimulating you to think and they were, were actually teaching you something. But nowadays it seems only to be entertainment and to to distract you and to somehow make you not think at all. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and the people who are most stupid, they are yeah, they are <laughs> in the spotlight all the time. Yeah. They have to be look, looking beautiful, but they have to be stupid as well. So that's that's what they want us uh, to, to focus on our uh, how we look like on our uh, on our clothing, on our uh, makeup, and so on. But do not worry too much about your brain because your brain, yeah, what 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 good is it anyway? Well, that's just another control mechanism as well because most people can't live up to that uh, standard of beauty that they're setting in, in mainstream entertainment. You know, some of it's real and some of it's not. I mean, they, it's well known that they fake photos all the time by taking you know, a reasonably attractive woman and then changing little, lots of little things to end up with this stunning portrait that's, it's not real. The, the people don't walk around looking like that. But even the people who get chosen and used as major figures, you know, they, they've got a lot to work with on the physical side in the first place, but the rest of the peoples of the world don't fall into that, do they? No. I know famous, uh, uh, fam I know people who work for, with, with famous uh, uh, magazines and they told told me very clearly what they are doing, all kinds of dirty tricks to, to make people really look beautiful. Yeah, they cut, for instance, a, a picture in half vertically, and then they mirror one half and put it together. But that's not the original picture. So you see uh, one person uh, only half, but then twice. Uh, well, I hope you can understand what I'm saying. But then our brain, because it's perfectly symmetrical, our brain gives us the uh, signal that is beautiful. Uh, well, in reality, nobody is perfectly symmetrical. No, they're not. No. So so they create a standard which nobody can live up to, and that makes a lot of people unhappy, and the other rest is, is just um, yeah, is tricked by what, what is pure beauty. And that's, that's subtle but incredibly powerful social engineering, and that's just one aspect of it. I, I've been a management consultant, and uh, I, I designed tests, and one of the tricks we used to do is when you give a, a kind of assessment test to a company that they can never reach the perfect score. So there's, whenever they, they buy into making a test, uh, the result will always be that there, were, that there are certain points they have to improve. And that's, of course, cheating, 
because uh, yeah, if the if the company the management team buys into the result of the test, then they hire you to to uh, to improve on on those points. But that's that's not a fair way of of, uh, of dealing. And the same is what they do here. Or for instance, computer games. There are computer games which you can never win. Yeah, they they design it in such a way that it will you will never be able to get a, the the maximum score. So the same is true here. They created a standard of beauty which is not attainable for normal human beings. And what this comes down to is we're being bombarded from so many directions and you don't even realize it. And anyone who's still asleep to the to this system, they don't even realize the level of attack they're under. I mean, it's because it's not just a physical attack through the medicine and the air and the food and the water. It's It's a mental stimulation that's either being hit from, it doesn't matter where you go, you're being hit with it. Yeah, and actually that's, that's the most powerful one. I know many people who worry about the food and all the, you know, the chemicals they add to it and, and what they put in the water and so on and the chemtrails and all the other stuff. But to me, it's all peanuts compared to the, the real uh, trick they pull on us and that's the, the mind control trick. And, and they are so clever in it and it's so easy to fall for it. But yeah. I think if you want to worry about something, it should be about all the subliminal messages and all the other tricks uh, to control your brain. Because the only thing they're really interested in is your brain. They don't care too much about your body. They want your mind. Because the mind is the powerful tool that creates this reality. And if they are able to control all our minds, they are able to control this reality. That's why I'm focusing so much with my holy science uh, approach on liberating your mind and enabling your mind to become a wizard, to become a sorcerer. Right, and it's very well known that mass consciousness works. So Indeed. they have to keep people as a whole down, or else we would start unifying towards uh, uh, one positive goal, which would be to push them out of the way and take back uh, our body, minds, and spirits. And, of course, that's absolutely what they do not want. And um, I absolutely commend you for the work you're doing because you are trying to free people from these mental gilded cages that we're all locked into. Indeed, indeed, yes. And, and numbers count. I think, I'm not sure which city it was, but they did a, uh, an experiment with meditation. I think it was, uh, uh, well, it doesn't really matter which form it was, but the amount of, of, of crimes committed in that period dropped drastically. So by, by creating just a, a different energy field, with a group of people sitting together and, and focusing on harmony and on peace, they can influence a whole city. So, and that's only a small group of people who are, who are joining their, their uh, conscious energies together. So they know that numbers count, and that's why they use the, the big techniques with the, mostly the television, but also uh, Facebook and, and, uh, and uh, Twitter and, and the, the big uh, internet platforms as well to create a, a, a kind of total consciousness or, or global consciousness um, that is real for most people. And if they buy into that, then that becomes real. And uh, because, yeah, they, that, that's, that's the only thing they can do. The more people who break free from this, um, the weaker the system becomes. And it's not, it's not um, um, very fragile in the sense that they can easily 100,000 people can break free and maybe 1 million or maybe 2 million. I'm not sure, but at a certain moment it becomes dangerous to them. And that's why they are not um, afraid of people like, like you and me who have uh, followers. Yeah. Hundreds or thousands maybe. But the moment 
you have, uh, Jason, you have more than 100,000 listeners, then you will become uh, a target for them as well. That's how they work. So they, they just want to keep the people who are breaking free low, but they don't worry too much about a few people breaking free. That's, that's not relevant to them. They focus on the big picture. Right. And I strongly suspect people who are really doing good work, they're being skewed to begin with on the mediums we're using, such as YouTube and all that. I, I know a lot of people who are trying to really seriously challenge the mainstream in a big way. And I highly suspect just from the little research I've been able to dig into that they're doing things to make sure that you don't come up in searches and, and things like that. And I mean, it's their system, so they, they can manipulate it as they want to. And I, I honestly think that's what's going on. Yeah, I, I've, I have a number of indications too. Um, in the beginning, I'm not a Facebooker myself, but I have people who do that for me. In the beginning, they saw that my, my, uh, they posted my articles there. They had a very big reach. And at a certain moment, like somebody, uh, pulled the, pulled the button or whatever, pressed the button, it stopped. And, uh, the same is with, with YouTube and, and the amount of people who get to see it. Yeah. And, and you can also reverse it. So people who are, who are a threat to them, they are boycotted. But the people who are not a threat to them, they get all the attention. I have a number of people in the so-called alternative media on a kind of blacklist because I very much uh, um, think they are uh, not serving our true agenda, agenda of the free people. They are somehow, um, yeah, controlled opposition. I agree with that totally. Yeah, and and yeah, for me, the amount of people who are following it, so the subscribers or the the viewers, is, is sometimes a red flag. So um, it's not always true, but in most cases, the more popular uh, an alternative media guru is, the less likelier it is to be a genuine one. Well, my friend Crow from uh, Crow Triple Seven Radio, he he calls them gatekeepers. Yes, indeed. And I think that's a very appropriate term because you you think that they're giving you this enlightening knowledge when in fact, and they may be, they may be sprinkling a lot of truth in there, but they're also steering you in a certain way. And uh, I'm getting better and better at identifying those people. And I'm not going to sit here and sling mud at anyone because I may be wrong, but uh, my instincts are getting very good on this on on who's been co opted. Yeah, you have to look at what people are not saying most of the time because, of course, they tell they tell a lot about they have to tell things that are true and are not told by the mainstream media. Otherwise, nobody will believe you as an alternative speaker. So right. that's what they have to do. But then the trick is to leave out very essential parts, and and I think that's the the best uh, test to see if somebody is genuine or somebody is actually a gatekeeper. Right, and and usually that component has to do with um, true spirituality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. Walk the talk, or uh, yeah, live your life according to as many people. Are, uh, yeah, for instance, I know people in the Netherlands uh, who are uh, part of the alternative media, and they are very against uh, the, the old control system and so on. But if I go to their websites, I see they have so much advertisement there. And they work very uh, intensively with Google. And I, then, then I think something is wrong here because you know how Google is working. Google is manipulating all the searches you put on Internet and, and make sure that Google is, is the main, <laughs> main gatekeeper program for finding out the truth. Yes. So how can, how can you work and, and uh, get money from Google Ads when, uh, when, you are, um, yeah, when you are part of this system? You should know who your enemy is. And you should not collaborate with your enemy, I think. 
So you have to keep your back straight. And I see many of my so-called colleagues, they don't do this. So um, to me, that's a very big red flag. Well, I, I understand the point why people do certain things. Doing this kind of work is very time-consuming, and it's very difficult to have to support yourself with a mainstream kind of job and then trying to do all this. I understand what they're doing. Um, that's why a lot of people do subscription services and things like that. But at the same time, everybody's doing that, and it's like, I'm sorry, most people are struggling paycheck to paycheck. They can't afford to subscribe to every single person out there. So you kind of have to, then you have to learn how to pick and choose who do you want to support. And, you know, it's just another means that the controllers are keeping us down because it all comes back to money and struggling to survive. Yeah, but that's based on uh, thinking and scarcity instead of thinking in abundance. So it's, 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 of course, it's easy said, uh, Jason, I know that. Uh, but it's true. And uh, I've, I've, uh, I've adapted that new paradigm of abundance and it is, yeah, it was easy for me to start with because I had a lot of money and I have to say that. So when I, I quit worrying about money, I had still a lot of money in my own uh, uh, <laughs> drawer, so to say. <laughs> but but since I stopped worrying it uh, about it, 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 it's not big in my life anymore. Nowadays, I charge money for what I uh, I make for for some ebooks or for some videos, but that is more about when I give it away for free. People don't value it. That's my my opinion. That's also true. Yes. If it's free, if it's free, it's worthless. Well, that's not my opinion. I spent much time on it, and I I did my very best to make it as good as possible. So it's not worthless. And if you think it's worthless, then yeah, you better go somewhere else. So I charge money. But um, and, and, and that's, of course, good for me to make a living as well. But that's not my priority. My priority is to, to spend all my time and energy on, uh, on developing my own skills as, as a sorcerer. And, um, and that's the only way to, to counter the, yeah, the, the very efficient programs they, are, um, they have developed against us. So that, that, that's the role I have to play. But what I was trying to say is, be careful when you focus on on um, gaining money via, for instance, Google, because then you are actually opening the door to the old system again. And before you know it, you're part of the old system instead of breaking free from it. Right. You're definitely juggling fire there. And uh, while you may get some of the attention you're desiring, you can also get burned. Yes. Yes. And, and there's no way back because, yeah, then... Where, where attention goes, well, sorry, where attention and, uh, and energy flows, something I don't know to say correctly in English, but some, I think you get it. Eh? So attention and energy, they go in the same direction. Right. And the moment you start to focusing on getting money through more viewers, um, I think there your energy is going in the wrong direction. So um, I think a better attitude will be if only one human being right now is listening to this conversation between you, Jason, and me. I am happy because then we are not talking to each other, but also to talking one extra one. And that's good. And if it's two, it's better. And if it's three, it's, 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 it's even more better. But I should not have a, an idea about it. Let's say it has to be at least this or that number. Or when, when it becomes more than a certain number, I start to make money. That, I think that's, that's the very wrong direction, I think, in my opinion. Right. And the reason why I do this is I'm hoping I'm, I'm – planting seeds that even if they don't grow today, they hopefully will tomorrow. And um, 
the, the people I usually speak to, unless it just happens to be um, something I'm questioning in general, like the uh, last show we did together, I think the information that we put out is very valuable. And that's that's how it works. And and um, yeah, just do what you can. And <laughs> and if we all do that, then this world will be a better place. It's simple. It's very simple. Yeah, you focus on what you can do. I focus on what I can do. And the listener is is focusing on what he or she can do. And yeah, if we continue doing that, it, we will get very soon a kind of flipping point, and uh, and things will really start to change for the better. That's what I'm very uh, convinced about. And if you're correct about all the the prophetic translations you've been doing, um, we better get the, this ball rolling because it looks like things are going to be starting next year. You would say, right? In a heavy way. In a, in a very heavy way, and um, yeah, and also the USA will play a major role in this um, uh, because. It's not in in uh, in this part of of Daniel, but it's another part. They talk about the destruction of Babylon or the fall of Babylon. But if you go to the um, uh, the historical records, you will see that the city of Babylon was never destroyed big time, and that means that it's not an historical account. The downfall of Babylon is something that is happening in the near future. And if you then understand what Babylon is, yeah, I made a, a special video about it. If you go to Holy Scripture TV on pateo.nl, there you can see the second video all about this. And there I explain piece by piece, little by little, with all the evidence there. But I'll just give the conclusion here now, otherwise it will take too long. But all the all the foundation for this is all there. That Babylon is actually the USA, mm-hmm. and the USA is the it's what is will will go down, so to say, and we also know what is bringing the USA down because it's also there, and that is Magog, the land of Magog, and you don't have to do much research to find out what Magog is, because Magog is Russia. So what has been a threat for the whole Cold War war period long, a war between the USSR and and the USA, it never happened during the Cold War. But I think it will happen in the as part of the Third World War. It will start in the Middle East, yeah, between Israel and, and maybe Syria or Turkey, I'm not sure, or maybe Iran will be involved. I'm not sure, but somewhere there it will start. And then, of course, Russia will be involved as well in the USA. And then somehow Russia will decide to attack the USA. And... For this, new technology will be used. It will be more advanced than what we've seen in 9-11. It will be actually so advanced that the USA military is completely defenseless against this. Um, that's that's what has been written down in the book of Daniel. Yeah, Watch the second video of Holy Scripture TV, and there you see all the details. And um, yeah, that, that can be a, a troubling time. So if you are now living in the USA... I think you should be uh, very good in contact with your inner self and listen to that inner voice because that inner voice can tell you something. And if that inner voice is telling you that it might be a good idea to um, to move either to Canada or, or um, to not be um, in the past where it starts, yeah, maybe you can find that out too, then it might be an idea to move. But if you do it from fear, so if you're fear-based, then you better not do any change at all because fear is never any good way to to start a change but if you are fearless and if you listen to your inner voice then it might be a good idea to uh, 
to do that. I, I think the setup is kind of obvious with uh, the Middle East being the buffer countries between the United States and, and Russia because the United States is behind certain countries and Russia is behind certain other ones. And if that starts erupting into uh, bigger conflicts, then it's almost the excuse for the for the parent nations to really get into it. Exactly. And we saw it already in Syria, so maybe it will it will explode there anyway. It, it, it could have ex- exploded long time ago. Yeah, the USA had military, uh, 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 had the Navy already there. Uh, the, the big ships were already there, but Russia too. So it could have exploded, I think it was 2011 or something, or 12, I'm not sure. But but then it didn't happen. So, But Russia has main interest in Syria and, and, and the USA too. So it's, it's a possibility. But the, the point is, it will not be the Third World War will not only be in the Middle East, it will also be in Europe and in the USA or Northern America. And um, and Russia will be involved in this big time. Oh, I don't doubt it. Uh, it did look like things were going to erupt in Syria. And uh, I'm kind of hoping that the, the mass consciousness of people trying to prevent a war from erupting there helped in that not going off the way uh, it looked like the controllers intended. And um, I do suspect that there's also people in government institutions who don't necessarily want this to go off either. So I think there are many factors at play here. I hope you're right, uh, Jason. It, it is true. When you looked at the, the, the messages from, from the mainstream media, and especially from Reuters, then it was very um, clear that there would be a war. But yeah, because there was an uh, attack with, with poison gas. Not sure if that's the correct English word, but anyway... The regime in a, of, uh, of Syria was accused of using this gas against the, the population, which is a major uh, offense uh, in, in international uh, law of, of warfare or something. Anyway, but, but the majority of the people did not believe that official story, that official mainstream news story. And because they didn't believe it, uh, it didn't happen. So the, the public opinion was against it. But if, if uh, Barack Obama had his way, he would have punished uh, the regime of Assad for using this, uh, this poison gas. Right, and that could have, again, been the firecracker that let off the bigger barrel of uh, gunpowder. Exactly. And it just, for whatever reason, um, it seemed like enough of the good people stepped in to make sure that didn't happen, for whoever that happened to be. And I, I think it would be a combination of things. Now, do the, um, do the prophecies state what the end of all this is going to be and what happens afterwards. Uh, I know that mainstream Christians believe in the rapture and the return of Christ and all that. What did you find in your translations uh, to be the end result of this great big calamity and where it goes from there? Yeah, there are different words there. The word seizing is there and the word consummation is there. Um, Yeah, and, and in Latin it becomes raptio and that means to be caught up or to be to, to be taken up, to be brought to a higher level. And you can take it literal or you can take it uh, yeah, metaphorically, spiritually. So either you come to a higher level of consciousness or either you're rescued and brought up to a higher place. I'm not sure. But that's what most Christians think of the rapture. And they, they see it as a literal interpretation. Yeah, like, like the heaven is opening up and the kind of beam me up, Scotty, and people are beamed up to the heaven. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I have no idea what, what that can be. 
because wh- where are you going to then? Are you going to a spaceship or whatever? <laughs> so the, t- to me, that's all very unclear. But the good news is halfway that, that very long period of, of seven years of destruction, flood and war and, and trouble, tribulations, halfway there is a seizing for the, yeah, I can call it the good people or the people who didn't lose faith in, in, the, in the one true God, so to say. So for them, halfway there is a yeah premature ending of the trouble and they are uh, set free or liberated or any other way. I'm not sure what will happen. That's what the text tells us. But the, all the others have to wait until 2025 for everything to end. And then the old time will end and then probably a new time will start. Maybe like in the days of Noah when there was also a kind of ending and the flood brought the ending and then after the flood there was a new start yeah, the, I'm not sure if we take, have to take the story literal either yeah, they talk about eight people on board of a big boat with all kinds of animals I think it's, a, it's an allegory as well but it doesn't really matter the point is there was a new start after that flood and I think also after this yeah, major destruction there will be a new start and the, the powers that should not be, they know this. They know there will be a big destruction. Uh, but they want to make sure that it is their new start after this. So they want to install the new world, one world government, after this, this major, uh, these major, these seven very troublesome some years. Um, but I think you and I, and, and hopefully all the listeners too, we want to have a world where there is no more governments by uh, any any external force and where we can all live in true harmony with each other and obeying uh, the law of God. That's, that's at least my understanding. And um, and that's, that's is a possibility too. So the old times will end. That's, that's certain. But what will start after that, what will be the new time, that is the big debate. The powers that should not be, they focus on the one world government, yeah, the new world order. But if I have my way, it will be a true natural world where everybody can live in harmony with nature. Now, just like in uh, the King James revelations that most of us are familiar with, basically the idea here is that during what would be starting in 2017 up to 2025 would be this Antichrist figure plays obviously a major role in the big wars coming up, probably being some sort of major political and or spiritual leader, directing things to basically the destruction of humanity uh, and, and, it, and leading to this construction of a new world order by 2025. But according to Revelations, that is supposed to be when Jesus Christ would be returning to defeat this figure and usher in the new peace. I believe it says a thousand years, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that, that's a that's a tough one um, because many people are still. It's also a kind of brainwash program. They are so um, they are so. It's for them, it's so normal to think of Jesus as a historical man. Yeah, that anyone who doubts this becomes an, an heretic, and and uh, they don't want to listen anymore. I've I've seen that too. Too often. Yeah, I'm a very spiritual man, and uh, I know all about about true Christianity and uh, and I live completely according to the law of God but the moment, and people know this in me, but the moment I say that the historical Jesus is a myth then the doors go 
they bang closed or how do you call it and people don't want to listen to me anymore because they think I'm uh, I'm, uh, I'm wrong and uh, and that's yeah, we have an immune system in our physical body so that's that keeps us very uh, healthy and when we eat something that is not good then the immune system takes care of it but we also have a mental immune system and every idea that is not consistent with the ideas that we already have accepted as true is kicked out too so if you have accepted the idea that Jesus is an historical man and that all these stories are historically correct and then somebody like me coming to tell you no it's it's not it's a very clever uh, allegory by Gnostics who wanted to share the truth in a very clever way uh, but but it's not based on, on real events then um, your your mental immune system says this guy is a liar and don't listen to him anymore because he's a dangerous nutcase. Right. Now, I'm not afraid to go here, and if you don't mind, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Why do you look at uh, Jesus Christ as not being a real historical figure, and what are your parameters for defining Christianity that you follow? And as I said, I think you and I are probably right on the same page with this, but I'd really love to hear your thoughts on this. Well, we can be on the same page, but it doesn't mean we're right, so... uh... (laughs) Of course not. No, I, I follow my truth and, and you do the same. And, and, and I advise every listener to do the very same too. But let me show you, um, uh, explain you my, my view on this. I, I need to have uh, facts. I have to base my house on uh, rock. Yeah? The whole allegory of a house built on rock means that it has to be uh, uh, based on something solid. And if you don't base your understanding on something solid, then it's like a house built on sand. And that can that can fall down. It can can crumble down, and it can completely vanish. And that and that's the distant uh, the distinction between knowing and believing. Everything you believe is built on sand, and everything you know for sure is built on rock. So I don't want to believe in, in in a historical Jesus. I want to know, and therefore I need facts. But there are no facts. There are no facts that can prove that there was a historical Jesus. So then that stops for me, period. But then if I want to understand why these stories were written, then I uh, have to follow in the footsteps of the Gnostics. And the Gnostics knew about uh, the truth, but they were also, uh, it was very dangerous for them to tell the truth in a direct way because uh, the people in those days were killed by, by, uh, by Rome. Uh, they were fed to lions because... Uh, Rome wants to have a complete Saturnian-based control system. Uh, And anybody who was talking about the light, meaning uh, the Christ consciousness or the light of the sun, or enlightened ones, uh, all those people were considered a major threat and they had to be uh, somehow suppressed in any any way possible, uh, including murder. So what did they do? they used a very clever way to uh, conceal the truth by using uh, allegories or metaphors or, or stories. So this Jesus character is a very, yeah, it's just, it's just a, a metaphor for the enlightened, enlightened man. And what is a better metaphor for this than the sun? So he is the son of God, but not with an O-N, but with a U-N. Yeah, so we think it's a S-U-N. Uh, that's the, of course the truth, but we think it's the S O N, the son, yeah, the, the 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 male child. 
Well, it's in fact from the star in the middle of our solar system. So, and then you can understand all those stories because then they start to make sense. Why was he born on the 25th of December? Well, that's of course the mid-winter uh, uh, solstice, uh, the celebration of the days becoming longer. So the, the, the lengthening of the days is indeed born at the moment of sunrise on December 25th. And why was he dead for three days? Well, the, 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 the arc the sun makes on the sky is not shrinking for three days in a row. It stops to shrink at the uh, winter solstice on December 21. And then for three days in a row, uh, the arc, the heavenly arc is the very same. And then for the first time, it becomes a little bit larger on December 25. So it's indeed three days dead. And after three days dead, the sun becomes more alive again. And that's an annual event, not something that happened 2000 years ago. And so you can explain all the other so-called Christian celebrations as well, because they're all based on natural events. And this was done already in ancient Egypt. And all this, this knowledge was brought to this region uh, via ancient Egypt. And that's why there are so many references in the Bible too to ancient Egypt. Uh, because that's where, where all these enlightened uh, insights um, somehow uh, yeah, were stored. Or you can call them, uh, somehow got a memory of it. Maybe it goes back to time before that. And we talk about Atlantis, but that's not important right now. The point is, it was accumulated around that time, so around the, the year one of our current era, and, um, and people start to write about it. When we date the Gospels, for instance, then we come in the year around 200. So why would you write down these, these stories of yeah, something that happened around the year 30 or something, or 33, I'm not sure, and then wait for yeah, 170 years to write it down? That doesn't make sense. And when you compare the four Gospels, there are so many differences between them. Yeah, it's, it's completely unlikely that it's the same Jesus all the time. So there are so many essential differences. And there are many details as well. But to make a long story not longer, it's just like Harry Potter or, or uh, the Frodo in the Lord of the Rings. It's just a metaphor for, um, uh, for, for state of enlightenment. And um, and what do you do when you are enlightened? Well, it's described like that. Does that answer your question, Jason? Uh, yes. Well, it's, it's actually everything I've already researched myself, and I, I agree with you. What would you say, then, are the tenets of Christianity that you're following? If, if you're saying that you do follow Christianity in, in not the literal sense that um, the, the average mainstream Christian does, what would you say is Christianity from your point of view? Well, Christianity in my opinion, is the Roman counterfeit of Gnosticism. So I don't like to use the word Christianity too much. I only use that to connect with people when they say they are Christian. But for me, it's just as easy to connect with somebody who is a Muslim or, or, or Buddhist or whatever. Um, actually, when somebody is identifying himself or herself with a religion, it's already a very uh, dangerous thing to do because nobody should call themselves a Christian. Yeah, you can call yourself a, a follower of Christ consciousness. I think that's good. But Christianity is a, is a Roman invention. It's a, it's a counterfeit in order to mind control many people. And they change many things. For instance, the word church is coming from 
from Latin, and that's related to the goddess of magic. Circe. Circe, yeah, but it, you have to pronounce it as, with a K in, in Greek, and then it comes to Kirke, and in German it's still Kirche, yeah, that, so that's more closer to that word. So um, it's, it's magic, and that's what they do. The whole ceremony in, in the Roman Catholic Church is one great ceremony of mind control. So I advise you not to do that. But it's, it's good to read the, the Bible. And then, of course, the, the most original one you can find. And if you can understand Greek, then that's, of course, the best way to go forward. But otherwise, yeah, the J King James Version is still good. But if there are sentences you don't understand, don't uh, trouble too much because most of the time it's, it's mistranslated. Anyway, but the, the books are good. The scriptures are good. But the, the ceremonies are bad. And the idea that there is an external savior that somebody will, will wipe out your sins, that's complete and utter nonsense. Nobody can wipe out your sins but yourself. So if you think that there is a rescuer external from you, then you are fooled big time. And that's, of course, the, the trick they did here because then people are uh, become passive. Because yeah, if I know that somebody will come and rescue me tomorrow, why should I do anything today? I'll just sit down on my couch and do nothing. And that's the whole idea with the external rescuer. But if you know that nobody's coming to rescue you, that you have to do it yourself, I will not sit down on the couch and do nothing. Yeah, I will be very, uh, very, uh, yeah, uh, full of energy to find a way out, to find a solution, to free myself. So external savior is, uh, is, is a big thing brought into this counterfeit religion. And actually all religions are mind control systems. So step away from religion, don't throw away the baby with the bathwater, but make sure you know the difference between wheat and chaff, and only keep what is good. I think Paul is the one who's saying it. Yeah, research everything, but keep only that is good. Something like that. I'm not sure the right wording, but that's the, the meaning, I think. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And once again, I, I do agree with everything you just said. I, I highly suspected we were seeing things from the same point of view. Uh, how many books have you translated from Greek? Not, not one book completely yet. If you go to my website and you click on Holy Scripture TV, you see all the books and then you see the chapters and the verses. And you can, there's a number between square brackets and the number refers to the episode of Holy Scripture TV in which uh, that is uh, explained. So, um, yeah, if I, if I want to translate the whole Bible, I think I need several more lives to do that. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Yeah, but, but yeah, I do it piece by piece, and um, the first five episodes are free to watch for by anyone, but uh, in order, uh, like I said before, if it's free, people think it's worthless, so now I work with subscriptions, and if you are, uh, uh, if you have subscribed to uh, Holy Scripture Television, you get at least one video a month of me in which I continue, so one up to five are free, and I already made six, seven, and eight now, and they can only be watched by the subscribers. How much of a difference have you found translating from the original Greek compared to your standard uh, King James Version? Well, uh, sh shocking, shocking differences. Um, let, let me give the example of the story of Jacob. I mentioned it already. When you, when you look at the, uh, the, the version most people know, then you read that he was fighting with, an, with a man. Yeah, some say he was fighting with an angel. But uh, if you look at the text very precisely, the original one, then it becomes clear that he was not fighting externally, but he had an internal fight. A part of him 
wanted to serve the one true God, and another part of him was not interested in that at all. And then you come in total into three layers of the self, an outer layer and an inner layer and an, uh, the most true layer in the core. And that's also how all ancient uh, temples were organized in three concentric circles. Normal people could only enter the outer circle. The priests were allowed to enter the middle circle and only the high priests were allowed to, allowed to enter the holiest in the middle. Would that also be called Sanctum Sanctorum, the holiest of holies? Yeah, that's the holy of, holiest of the holiest, and uh, indeed, that's the Latin word, uh, Sanctum Sanctorum. Um, but that's also in this story of, uh, of Jacob, because Esau is not his brother. Jacob and Esau are the same person. But Esau is the outer part. You can call it the, the, the persona, the mask, or the, 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 uh, the outer um, appearance. Or you can call it the false self. Well, Esau is the true self. So that's, that's the outer part and the inner part. And the inner part also has two parts. Yeah, the, the, it's, the, it's already the true self, but you have the, the, the true self. And then there is a core. And that core is your, your genuine self, so to say, or your higher self. Yeah, then you have the difference between your higher self and your lower self. But both are true. And only your higher self can become one with God. And your lower self is not, is not uh, capable to do that because its, its energy is too low for that. And that's, that's the struggle that uh, Jacob had. And when, when his higher part uh, became the strongest, then um, he was renamed Israel because his higher part when that is in, in charge, then he is striving along with El. And the most funny part of that whole story is when he is, is, is where, I'm not sure if you know the wording, it's about the touching of the thigh. Can you remember that part, uh, Jason? Yes. Yeah, the, the so-called angel touched his thigh, and that's why he started to walk limp. Well, that's the King James Version, but that's, that is complete and utter mistranslated. Because what was touched there was something in between his thighs, and that's of course his genital, um, so so his 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 penis, if you like, mm -hmm. and not literal, but it's a it's a, a reference to his uh, earthly desires, so his his physical desires. That's where that thigh is a kind of metaphor for, and your lower self is uh, somehow. Um, um, yeah, can uh, how, how do you say it, Craig? Can can uh, be very interested in those earthly desires, but your higher self has no longing for that at all, and that's why the the the, the so-called angel, the the higher part, touched those thighs of that 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 hollow part of the thigh, or whatever it's it's translated, because it means that your higher self, um, when it is in control in you, uh, you are no longer. Um, addicted or, or influenced by those lower uh, desires, if I can call them like that. That's the true story. So your higher self in control brings you to a higher level of functioning. It has nothing to do with walking limb or, or touching a bone or all those. It's complete and utter wrong translation. So that's the biggest error I found so far. And once again, I do agree with you. I know enough about all this to... Uh, there are a lot of sexual references in the Bible and... Um you know, mainstream Christians don't want to go there. 
Uh, I also would suggest, and you can tell me your thoughts on this, that it seems that the mistranslations, if that's what we want to call them, may have also been done on purpose to skew away from the more spiritual aspects of what the Bible is trying to say and try and uh, nail it down to a more physical thing uh, to keep people away from the spiritual aspects of it. Let, let, let the priest be your spiritual aspect in this world, and you have to do what they say. And again, it just seems like more social engineering to me. It makes a lot of sense, but I didn't dare to say it out loud because people already think I'm a conspiracy theorist. So if I <laughs> bring in another conspiracy, then they uh, think I'm completely uh, lost it. But, but of course, I, in, in my writing, I say it's either ignorance or it's, uh, it's malice. So uh, either one of these two. And I, I think it's more the latter, like you said. So, But uh, I don't want to scare too many people away already. So um, It's probably both. But yeah. it's not hard to accept and understand that rich people want to stay rich people and control the poor people. I mean, that's just when you really boil down all of this stuff, this is what it comes down to. People who have want to control the have-nots. And by doing so, or, or the way to do this, is by keeping them in the dark. And as we have discussed the past two hours, they're doing this through lots of different means. They're doing it physically, and they're doing it mentally, and through the religions, they're doing it spiritually. And that's why this stuff is actually that difficult for me to understand, because that's how I boil it down. These people, for their own selfish reasons, want to stay in control. And how do you do that? You make sure nobody has the capability to rise up against you, period. Yeah, yeah, 100% true. And it's going on for long, and it, this is at least the Middle Asia, but even further than that. So they have perfected this system so good. And yeah, for, for more than uh, 1,000 years, the priests, or, or maybe 2,000 years by now, yeah, the, 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 the people who work for the religious organizations, they do not have to work. They get their money via the church. And how does the money, how does the church get the money? From the people who do actual work, right? And this is going on, yeah. So they they only need to keep this this myth alive, so that people who are ignorant give money to them. Even nowadays, in, in South America, poor people give part of their income to the Roman Catholic crime organization <laughs> because <laughs> they are fooled, and it's 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 very sad. But it's going on. So the Jesuits they they laugh big time. Because they're extremely wealthy, their organization is. They, they don't have big bank accounts. But they don't have to work. They don't have to do physical work. only have to do uh, work with their, with their minds to keep uh, this lie alive. And it works just like any other government-type organization. The government doesn't produce. They take from people who do produce through taxation. That's exactly how it works. It's a pyramid uh, <laughs> game. Yeah? The, 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 the ignorant people produce, and then you make sure you're on top of that and you take a part. That's why I refuse to pay taxes, because if I pay taxes, I finance the system that enslaves people, and I don't want to be part of that. Right, and that, that gets into um, just a lot of the, the kind of passive resistance that is going on today and, and is building steam. I've kept you for over two hours, and I'm extremely grateful for your time. Is, is there anything else we want to get to so um, we can make sure to get the information out that you wanted to discuss? No, I think we've covered uh, covered the most important things and i'm very grateful for this opportunity jason because yeah I, I can reach out to a lot of people in europe but in usa it's somehow still tough for me so hopefully via you i uh, reach out to all those open-minded people there as well well i'm definitely going to plug this throughout through all the means i normally do i use a lot of social media and um i think people are beginning to take what the work i put out there and reproduce uh, 
reposted as well. So hopefully, slowly but surely, that the the messages that we're trying to get out there to help everyone uh, is spreading. And um, yes, it's it's a long game that we're playing, but hopefully, we're we're doing the real God's work, if you want to call it that, and um, we'll be able to help people in the long run. Indeed. I, I thought the game would be over in 2012 when I started in, in, in 2008. I thought it, uh, it's, uh, yeah, four or five years, and <laughs> but we're still on the game, so I'm not sure. Maybe 2025 is not even the real end date. Maybe it goes on for longer, but um, I don't have any, any choice to do it differently than what I'm doing, and I'm, I'm sure it's for you the very same. We cannot... Uh, lie to our true selves no i agree totally well why don't you go ahead and give out every place that people can find you and um, give as detailed as as a description as you would like of what you're doing yeah the most important thing is the website so it's www and then dot pateo and that's a latin word p-a-t-e-o it means no longer hidden and then dot nl most people think it's netherlands but to me nl means natural logic doesn't really matter too much but it's pateo, pateo.nl, and there you can find everything. I'm restructuring the website now. Everything is more easily to be found. Uh, and if you click on contact there, you can also find my YouTube channel, the Facebook, uh, the Twitter account, and so on. You can even see my Skype uh, account name or my, my uh, email address, always there, even my telephone number. So I don't hide any uh, contact information. But uh, I hope that when you contact me, you understand that my time is very valuable. So please be as uh, as concise as you can. That's wonderful. And you've also written dozens of books, and you attend a lot of conferences and give lectures. And uh, I've watched quite a few of your videos now, and I think you're absolutely brilliant, and I love what you do. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you, too, Jason. Thank you for the compliments as well. Bye for now. Ah, you're, you're very welcome. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Dr. Johan Oldenkamp, ladies and gentlemen, what absolute brilliance. That is someone I totally relate to, and hopefully you do as well. I hope you check out his work and support him and others like him who are trying to help us all in any way you possibly can. That's it for this time, folks. Take care. Wheel swing.